Captain. Let's move. ABC Thursdays. Firefighters, we're family. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. The subject has explosive chemicals. Get down! With fiery romances. You're the love of my life. And Andy is finally in charge. I'm going to be the best damn captain the station has ever seen. Station 19. All new Thursdays, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Welcome to Dungeons and Demogorgons, the officially unofficial podcast for Stranger Things on Netflix. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And we're back for our wrap-up podcast for season three. Uh, there are Demogorgons everywhere in the studio. They're outside the doors. They're screaming about, I don't know, probably the lunch they had. Uh, what do you think of season three in general uh, after having a week to reflect on it? Maybe what are some of your favorite parts, that sort of thing? Um, I think I, my opinion wasn't changed very much. I thought that this was a good season. It's the least grounded season. Like, um, I think many other seasons felt like more plausibly small town Indiana Mm -hmm. with like paranormal things happening where this, like, you know, the Russians building a mall complex, and you know explaining hawkins that was that that constantly kind of strained my my credulity my credibility my my suspension of disbelief um but it's fun enough and i mean it's kind of like indiana jones man like do you want to believe that nazis can get a hold of christian relics to try to take over the world or not Mm -hmm. um you know, I, I it, it's one of those things where I just kind of let the rule of cool uh, carry me through. And there's a few times where I don't feel like that they were as careful. Um, you know, there there's some scenes where it's like we even mentioned, like, how the heck does like Billy get uh, once he attacks a lifeguard? How does he get her back to that facility? You know, how does mm-hmm. um, you know when when they're conducting a sauna test? How is it that nobody notices all this? How how does so no one notices someone getting blown through the side of the building? You know, um, and they didn't sweat those details as much. But the reason it doesn't fall apart is because they sweat the big stuff. Mm-hmm. exquisitely like yeah. they uh, everything in the last three episodes just was one string of consequences that led to another and actions that then brought the characters back together and they had to set those things up three or four episodes before and that stuff feels really refreshing and rewarding so um i i don't know how mu- how much they can keep making this thing bigger and bigger and bigger and still keep it be Stranger Things, and I think the Duffer Brothers know that, which is why they've kind of been signaling that maybe next epi- maybe next season's the end. Certainly, like f- there's no way to stretch this out beyond season five. And as long as they hold that commitment, then I think Stranger Things has a chance to be go down. If if not one of the best, certainly the most fun and you know kind of a universally admired television series with just such a great cast and uh, engaging plot. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I mean I agree with all of that. It's it's expertly written. Uh, expertly directed and expertly acted for the most part. I think um, there are moments in this where they they start to lean maybe a little too much into the Stranger Things uh, wheelhouse, um, and a lot of people get turned off by this stuff. I'm I'm not really one of them. I think like some of the tropey stuff they do in this is warranted entirely by the setting, entirely by what type of show this is, who right. it's for, those kinds of things. And I think if you take it overly seriously, 
you risk missing the point mm-hmm. uh, of the whole thing. Um, so I, I found myself like going back and watching a few episodes last night, uh, really enjoying those moments where it's like, okay, well, yeah, these characters are ridiculous and over the top, and oh, could the Russians really infiltrate under Hawkins in the end? I, I don't know, but like, that's not the point. The point is, in the eighties, these movies were happening a lot like this, right? Uh, and so when they do these homages, when they when they do these things that seem silly and quote unquote real life. It just works because it's a product of the time. Yeah, well, one of the most popular movies I can remember growing up is Red Dawn, where <laughs> yeah. I believe the Russians parachuted troops in Colorado, uh, and no one knew about there. it. Yeah. Like, NORAD just decided He's not to come to work towns. that day. Yeah. It's like, what? I mean, so that's that. And, and we were talking about, like, you know, when they just flung fireworks at the creature and mm-hmm. I mean, some of that stuff is just ripped right out of the 80s movies. They were all kind of silly and cheesy, and this is just kind of like the very best version of that. Mm -hmm. So part of that, like, if um, part of that nostalgia trip requires you to swallow some of these kind of ridiculous premises because some of the premises in 80s entertainment was pretty fucking ridiculous. Yeah. So... um, It's interesting to me in this season that they sort of... So they... becomes clear to me uh after watching this that they pay very close attention to what people do and do not like about the show and they tailor the next season to that pretty heavily because if it's in there at all it's extremely subtle and it's periphery this kind of stuff but like the 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 stuff with eight the mm-hmm. stuff with chicago from last season not even mentioned in this season mm-hmm. now that may come roaring back in season 4 i don't know how they're going to play that but you know, it was it was kind of nice that they took the thing that fans had the most complaints with across the board and just right. said, yeah, let's not do that. Just ran away from it. And they took all the things that fans love and they ran with those things. Yeah. I do think that now that we've said that we're fine with it, I do think they are, especially with like some of the product placement stuff where it feels like you can hear the cha-ching in the background. Um, that's getting a little much. And it's so funny because I was listening to some of our season two coverage and we specifically defended some of that stuff. It's like, well, what, what do you want? Would you rather than be eating, you know, uh, Tennessee fried chicken? This is just so like the artistic integrity of it's pure. But it does feel like the more they make deals with Burger King and the more they, you know, splash around Whoppers and new Cokes and things like that. The, and, and like the Lucas... Like, the way he even posed is like a classic Coke commercial where he tilts his head back and drinks it and, ah, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. the, that that does, I think, start to trade a little bit on your artistic in, in, integrity, and that's starting to be distracting. And maybe I wouldn't even notice maybe. if it wasn't, but, you know, our fans pointing it out and complaining about it themselves, but oh. I, I felt like I was a little bit aware of it. And I do think that, like, as much as we love the tropes and all that kind of stuff, that um there is there is a fine line where you can go over and you know the whole the reason you care about these characters is because they feel real and there's real stakes and if they keep getting out of situations through like last minute quince coincidences or kind of childish theatrics the older they get i don't know that that will still be compelling now you know they answered that question this year by like you know, killing off a periphery character that we came to care about, just like they did with Bob Newby last year. They killed uh, mm-hmm. Alexi. Uh, and oh, I, I thought you were going to say Hopper. Well, <laughs> I was getting there. Character we don't care about. No. And and they also then killed a main cast character. Yeah. But as we're going to discuss, and as we discussed yeah. like live, I there's there's reason to believe that that's uh, that's going to be 
uh, walked back. Yeah, so for sure. I, I, but I think again, um, the Duffer brothers know all this. Like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, one of the feedback that uh, went back and like listened to our uh, Stranger Things two wrap up podcast, and we talked about like you just can't have another finale where Eleven's stretching her fingers out and screaming yeah. and 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 cut, uh, closing a gate and the Duffer's like, yep, you're right, we can't do that, and mm-hmm. we have to have the gang kind of save Eleven instead of the other way around, and they they did that, so it's like they know. Uh, if nothing else, they know how to tell a story and they know the rhythms of it. So it's like, I, I don't know how much it is, is like that they're relying on the fan feedback and how much of they just know as storytellers, we have pumped this well, it's running dry, we got we to gotta drill a new well. Um, and, you know, yeah. m- moving around the seasons, having different stakes, killing off a main cast character, I think these are all respond- uh, depowering Eleven, mm-hmm. like... That's going to be huge for next season, and and yeah. these are things that are all very smart to keep the audience engaged. Yeah, they're they're definitely setting up drama with that. But the I guess the reason I say they responded to, I guess the dislike for the Chicago stuff last season is because they were definitely setting something up there, mm-hmm. and as of yet they have not knocked it down. I don't know if they intend to, but like, I, I feel like they were leading into a season three where that was a bigger part of it. And they saw the reaction and they said, eh, we can just kind of leave it where it is. And, you know, if we if we figure out a way to bring that back later, we'll do it. If not, it can just be, you know, this sort, sort of like half misstep in season two that we then course corrected. See, I would love to see Eleven and some of the gang cruising around in like an A-team type van and recruiting other former experiments from Hawkins Lab, like going to her sister mm-hmm. was eight. But uh, it has to be the problem Callie. I had with the yeah the season two stuff is it wasn't integrated well enough with the story like I didn't feel uh-huh. like it was all part of the same thing that felt like a side uh, like a side quest right and I was on the main quest and right. I wanted to see that through but if you so had... if they can figure out a way to integrate that into the main quest yeah, yeah let's do it yeah so let's grant that that there's going to be some kind of rescue operation hoperation there's going to be some kind of rescue hoperation yeah and Eleven's going around and she's recruiting like she knows her sister's out there so she goes recruits that because she needs big guns she doesn't have any of her own anymore mm-hmm. and then maybe Eight's got a connection to some of the other children like and each episode introduces them and you get to know them as a character and then you've got like you know, instead of having one character we're familiar with meet another character we've only seen for like five minutes and then immediately get introduced to this other dizzying array of crazy, weird, off-putting characters, you are instead taking the big group you care about and you're adding a new recruit over the next two or three episodes. So you've got like three or four psychic kids. I think that could work. And I it think yeah. there, there's no way that they finish out Stranger Things the you know what it ever ends up being a, a, a quadrilogy or a quintilogy no way they finish that without going back and checking on the the rest of the the hawking labs experiments yeah i, I think w- when we talk sort of about season four and what we think uh may or may not happen i think there's a lot to dive into there um with you know that that sort of final stinger scene and stuff like that um where yeah the the doors are still open the possibility is there to come back to that uh but i want to talk about some of my favorite moments from the season yeah shoot like i know that like the never-ending story thing has blown up it's Mm -hmm. it's all over the place there's the never-ending challenge thing going on like what's that i haven't i didn't see that uh so i guess like on i don't know if it's like instagram or tiktok i don't know where millie bobby brown's doing her thing Mm -hmm. on social but she's 
she recorded this video of her like lip syncing to the song and dancing, mm-hmm. and it's kind of trending now as never ending oh, challenge. It's the new Harlem Shake. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Okay, uh, there have been many, many other Harlem Shakes since Harlem Shake. Sure, but sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so people are doing that now. But yeah, like that scene was amazing. Uh, it, I I really like that scene. I really love the firework stuff. Uh, when they're fighting the monster, it just looks really cool. Even yeah, it's pretty and, ineffective. And that, that's the uh, Neverending Story is just Stranger Things to the max. Like that mm-hmm. is because it it was out of nowhere. Um, it was a, literally the culmination of a season long plot with Susie. Yep. Uh, and the in universe's reactions were perfect. Like you had people like you know acting with impatience, annoyance to just like you know Hopper's classic like what the fuck am I hearing. Um, and that's what makes those moments uh, work. Yeah. I, I really like Robin's reaction. She's just like, what? Right. What are we doing? Right, right, right. <laughs> it's just like this this sort of amused but also exasperated look that she gives. It's it's nice. Uh, and then there are a couple of like really heartfelt moments that I like. One is the fight between Will and his friends over the D&D campaign. Mm-hmm. I thought was excellently acted, uh, excellently written. And then the the letter that Hopper leaves and the reading of that and Elle's reaction to it all, I think, is truly a great way to go out on this season. Mm-hmm. And it's a way to have your cake and eat it, too, because, um, yeah. I mean, just judging by everyone's feedback, like the emotional payload, even though everyone is skeptical that it's it's actually primed to blow, let's say, it's still mm-hmm. delivered, you know, the emotional part of it, Um if it turns out that he's not actually dead, our characters don't know that, and they grieved as if he was, and and that's fine as as long as it's the only time they ever do this yeah. in a finale. Uh, and then also, like I, the, the other rule I have is like I don't think they can do this. They don't can't kill Hopper now because if it's he's like not ru- dead now, it's the they rule can't of Glenn. Yeah, yeah, like you can't because because they already pumped all the emotion out of that well so like they can kill joyce they can kill one of the kids or they can kill 11 that's what i personally think is going to happen i don't think 11 makes it out of the series hmm. um but they're, they're, they're but they can't i, I don't think they can go back to the hopwell yeah. um i my favorite moments were when uh steve and robin got drugged <laughs> And then there was the inversion of the Steve's, the the group mom trope. Uh, well, it's not even trope. It's just what they were doing the last two that, you know, that this guy who has no business being a parent mm-hmm. is put in a position where he's responsible for the lives of these young kids and he rises to the occasion. I loved seeing Dustin and Erica thrust in that same position and them doing arguably worse. Like Steve never lost a kid. Uh, Dustin yeah, Erica things got out of his control in season two, but he got his ass beat and yeah. he got beat unconscious. Like, what are you gonna do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Dustin just literally looked the other way, and Erica got engrossed in watching. Uh, <laughs> uh-huh. Of course, they're much younger, but I, I just loved that. I loved how like kind of like uh, jackass rebellious they were to Dustin. I loved Steve's like making fun of the Russians under the influence of the drugs and the facial God. expressions he was working. Yeah, uh, he's he's really good with comedy yeah i'm actually joe, joe Keery's good i'm actually has he done anything besides stranger things not that i've seen but probably because i'm i i feel like he's earned me watching his next three projects yeah, yeah. <laughs> to see what he can make of it because he could be 
a Michael J. Fox level star. I think he's got that kind of charisma, mm-hmm. comic timing, dramatic chops. Like there's a lot of things he could do with that. Um, and I'm curious to see uh, what, what he ends up doing with it. And then everything that Murray was doing, like oh I, I just liked every moment that Murray was on screen. Yeah, he's a oh man, he's a he's a real gem of a character mm-hmm. because he just Brett Gelman is so good at playing these not really assholes with a heart of gold, just assholes that happen to be right or correct. Um, huh. So like you, even yeah. if you hate them, like you can't say they're wrong or you can't discount what they're saying. Um, I just yeah, what what he did the to uh jonathan's mom and her you know and hopper which was such a nice mirror image to the nancy and jonathan stuff it was just it's just sublime mm-hmm. i love him forming and unlike like he was the one that's most against uh i can't believe you brought an enemy of the state yeah. and then him and uh um alexi end up bonding in a very sweet way and then you completely and and, and you completely feel death and the other layer of like sublimeness is like even when you're feeling sorry for him or you're like joining him to grief, you still can't help but notice he's wearing these short, short jean cutoffs. <laughs> right. So it's like it's like anytime you get too bummed out, you just look at what he's wearing <laughs> and what 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 can you say to that? Can I can I ask you a very serious question? Sure. One that I have struggled with my entire life. Okay. What good is an undershirt tank top? Because in my opinion, and this is what he's wearing like throughout mm-hmm. most of this show, in my opinion, a, an undershirt is there to prevent the sweat from your body reaching your actual shirt. I think you're right. In a tank top form, an undershirt seems to have no purpose. I've never, I've never worn the 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 iconic wife beater. As I they're, haven't they're either. Called uh, because of that very thing, I guess. I would say that like my armpits are definitely the sweatiest part of my body mm-hmm. if I'm doing something, but I wear antiperspirant there. Mm-hmm. The second is like you know like like the chest area gets sweaty. Uh, so like maybe if you yeah. think, hey, I got my armpits uh, antiperspiranted and deodorized, <laughs> and I want them to vent, but I'm not. I got I got no speed stick on my chest and my shoulder and, and my back, so I I want okay. that separation. I can understand that. Is there savings to be had in not having sleeves? Then I don't think it's savings. I Is think it it's cheaper? a vent. I think it's a vent thing. Like it's it's like it's, it's gonna I, keep my, you my cooler. Pits, my pits can vent, and you 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 rely on the ventilation and the antiperspiration to control the moisture. I, need, I guess I gotta try it. I guess I gotta try it for myself. Experiment yeah. with the the tank top undershirt and see got to. what what kind of effects I get. I mean, here's the thing: I've never understood it. Like they're 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 a long time bestseller. Like people are still wearing mm-hmm. them today. Like there's got to be something. If if the t shirt was clearly superior to the the tank top then why don't more people why why do is does anyone wear the tank tops that's a damn fine question maybe it's an uh, maybe it's an option for gentlemen that don't sweat as heavily as i tend to like yeah, i can work be. up a sweat screw in a light bulb mm-hmm. uh you know so like if maybe maybe if you're you're not as heavy as a perspirer you want the extra kind of gauzy uh vinted, vinted feel <laughs> all right well I'm, we've solved that yeah I think the Hawking's uh, laboratory needs to reopen and get to the bottom of that right. question. Uh, what, what's the science behind the tank top? The, the, in the upside down, uh, they, they wear very different tank tops. <laughs> I think they's good. They's free ball in the yeah. upside down, it seems like. Uh, let's talk about the future of this show. Real okay. Quick. 
because the kids are getting older, mm-hmm. and I think noticeably so. Yep. You can see it in this season. They're starting to turn into young men, not mm-hmm. children, young women, not girls. Uh, I feel like that has put a limited shelf life on this show. Because I, I don't... Maybe this is just my personal opinion, but I don't feel like I want to... I'm necessarily as interested in watching a show about a group of late teens trying to fight off the Demogorgons and the mind flayers of the Upside Down. Yeah. It, it was always... There's something vulnerable about children that is not necessarily there when they get to be, you know, 17, 20, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that really, for me, makes this show. And they're running out of time. And I know they're talking like season four or five could potentially be the last of mm-hmm. the show. And I think that's a good idea. And I think I would actually prefer it to to be season four is the final season. I think they could do one more of these and really tie it all together, end it in this very satisfying way. If they stick around too long, they risk ruining the thing, in my opinion. Yeah, I think, and I think they know that. Like I, again, I would love for them to see them put a nice bow on this particular arc. And then I, I think I would like to see the person 10 years from now that wouldn't be excited hearing about a stranger things reunion. Where, you know, it's been a decade since we've been to Hawkins and bring as much of the original cast back. Some of my have like in uh, we we talked about that on the the episode eight podcast, but I think that would be a great idea. And then you also have a lot more uh, opportunities to tell stories and you can do more things with like what of the you know, what 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 kind of adults have these kids become? You know, what does Hawkins look like now? There's a lot of fun things, you know, the Cold War's over. So that might be an interesting, uh, you know, like what what would be what would be causing the flare up this time. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that would be a great idea, but I, I agree. I don't, th- I don't think, um, I don't think there's any way like, I, like once these kids get to be like Nancy and Jonathan's age from the first ser- season or first series. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's tough. Once they get to be li- like juniors in high school, you know, if they're all like, if they're all like as capable as like Steve and Nancy and Jonathan, and then you also have Steve and Nancy and Jonathan who are in their early twenties and mm-hmm. probably have firearms and shit, then and you also <laughs> have the the best psychic cannon in the world, eleven, then then they start to run out of gas. So yeah, I, I'm I'm in agreement with that. Uh, speaking of eleven, let's let's talk a little bit about some of the the end of this series and what they might do with it in season four. Uh, like you mentioned earlier, I think L's powers being uh, temporarily offline are going to be a big dramatic driver next season. Mm-hmm. Uh, her kind of understanding why her powers are offline and trying to figure out how to get them back, probably under some sort of duress, uh, I think is going to be really interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know how everybody feels about that, but I'm all in for it. Uh, the other big thing is the question of Hopper. Is Hopper alive? Is Hopper dead? So I, I I thought that I I actually thought I did a pretty good job of finding all of the tells um, organically, but there's one big one that I missed, and it's a really oh, subtle really? and a great one. Uh, I got this off of Reddit, um, but do you remember the the song Peter Gabriel's Heroes that they played as like Els reading the note and had this like grief montage of everyone reacting to his death and saying goodbye? Yep. Do you remember the other time that that song was featured in Stranger Things? No. It was when they found Will's fake body in season <laughs> one. <laughs> okay. So like so, so so let's just go over all of the the the, the Hopper's not dead theory. 
uh, he, he, you read the letter, and at the very end, he says, you leave the door cracked open three inches for your poor old dad. Uh, he was trapped between a closing portal to the upside down and an energy field that would, I don't know, strip the atoms from his body. Uh, at the post credit scene, we hear the, 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 that in this Russian facility that's housing a Demogorgon and, or, yeah, Demo, yeah, Demogorgon, not a Demodog, a Demogorgon, and they're obviously still doing portal research. There's a cell with an unnamed American in it. Mm-hmm. Um, also, uh, I, I want to throw in a piece of feedback from uh, Scotland K., uh, who is a Russian st- uh, studies student in college. And he said that, because I, I mentioned that the, the Terminator, when he said, uh, referred to uh, the Americans, he used this word that sounded like uh, American Americans. And I said that they changed the subtitle to be the American. But he mentioned that like this this word they used, Americanets, is actually, uh, Russian is one of those languages that has grammatical gender you know, like in, in uh, Spanish, you've got like things in O are roughly masculine, things that end in A are feminine. Mm-hmm. Uh, Russian's the same way, and this particular word is the singular masculine word for an American person. And that's the same word that they use to refer to whoever's in that cell. So they're really making the connection that that's probably Hopper. Um, and then... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, and then the, but then we'll you get it, but yeah. you get the Peter Gabriel's heroes. The la- the only ever time we've seen that in theory is when we were having the wool pull over our eyes. They were de- they were showing us a dead body of Will, but it's not actually Will. I, I think you know it's it's a ninety nine percent lock that uh, Hopper is not dead. Now, yeah. I still really like my theory that um, it's not Hopper in that cell. Yeah, that- no, I I think. We kind of talked about this in the mm-hmm. finale episode yeah. right after we watched it. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense that Hopper would be in the Upside Down mm-hmm. and that Elle, without her powers, might be able to know he's there but not help get him out of there, mm-hmm. uh, which sets up like a huge drama for season four. Well, someone, because um, we're like way off of my outline here, but so, uh, so I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to hand wave to it and then give you credit later in the podcast. But someone uh, said that if you called, um, murray's phone number like we talked about mm-hmm. he goes he talks a mess about how he doesn't want anything except for his mom but he the, the call him and don't leave a message but he also says something about he has an update for joyce i didn't think of anything of it because when i listened to that it was like episode five or whatever but it would be interesting if it's not 11 because she's depowered to figures it out but like maybe this is something from an official government agency or maybe it's something that uh uh, uh, Murray has figured out in uh, like some background chatter because he know he's really interested in the Russians and this like thing's going to just even make him more interested in Russian conspiracies. What update would he have for Joyce? Um, I, it it yes, could be that, that he's going to be the one that, that tells them that Hopper's actually alive. Or it could be that uh, Dr. Paul Reiser is going to be the one that says, you know, we saw some anomalous readings at the, as the portal was closing. Um, but I don't know because like my, my guess is if, if Hopper is uh, strung up in, in the uh, upside down, then um, who's the do- who is the uh, the doctor that created L Brenner Brenner Doctor Brenner might be captured and yeah. uh, like a hostage of the Soviets and being forced or maybe he's doing it of his own free will though I don't know why he'd be in a cell. But that way, yeah. you know, like we said, the Duffer brothers kind of have their cake and eat it too. So they've got everyone, everyone kind of, everyone's guessed the broad truth that Hopper's still alive, but they've done some sleight of hand, so he's not actually in Russia. Yeah, uh, it seems 
to me after after having watched um the finale again like there, there's a moment where this thing is exploding and they kind of cut to the gate as it's closing mm-hmm. and this is right after they show like okay well hopper isn't here he didn't we didn't see him get exploded we see the gate closing it's almost like they're inferring or wanting us to infer that he did jump through the gate right um i've seen some other people say that like that platform actually just leads down to the floor and he probably could have run off down the stairs but then Uh, what like well i mean he he could do like steven and dustin everybody did like ran Uh kind of through another door into another room but where? But I mean, and I'm, then got captured by the Russians. But then, like my, I would be extremely surprised if any Russian in that base made it off U.S. soil. Yeah, what they did it, was part of some kind of hostage or prisoner exchange thing. Well, there's there, there's some. I, I don't know if the tunnels are connected to the farms at all. Like there, there's some oh. implication there that like these tunnels are sort of interconnected, and there are a yeah, lot of different entrances. So you could escape and, out the farm, like you capture yeah. Hopper, escape out of the farm, and then like, smuggle yourself out of the country. Maybe. Yeah, you're right. We don't know enough about the underground base to know for sure that there's no back tunnels or exits. We have or... to ask Erica and Dustin. They right. know. Right, because it's not like the, the Marines knew that, like, oh, this is everything we know about. It's like they just went to the mall to contain this thing, and if some of the Russians got out the back door, then maybe, maybe not. So, yeah, that that's that's a strong possibility, because I just took it for granted. Maybe, there's no yeah. way anyone gets out of there, so there's only one way to get out, and that's like, I would believe that he could go through the gate and get stuck in the upside down, or I could also believe that, yeah. like, he would just step through the gate and through some kind of timey-wimey, alternate-dimensional stuff, just, like, spit out the other side in Russia, maybe. Mm-hmm. But uh, you're right. They could have just gotten him out conventional. I do think that that's one of the first things they have to establish in a new season. Like, we need a flashback that shows either Hopper getting blown into the portal or crawling down that <laughs> ladder or, be, or being clubbed by the Russian commandant guy. Mm-hmm. Something. We got, we, we got, to, we got to know. And, and they'll, they'll, they'll tell. They know how to tell a story. They'll tell us that. Oh, yeah uh what else do we want to talk about so hopper that's hopper is we think is alive pretty sure not sure how not Mm -hmm. sure where but uh he's definitely alive um did you read any theories about l's powers like Mm, no let me let me float this one by you um do you think l's powers are reduced because she just used them too much like We've never established the upper limit of her power, but, you know, we know she used to get tired. Like, the first time she tried, like, just crushing a Coke can wiped her out. Mm-hmm. Um, here she had to use more energy than she ever has before. Uh, is it? She, and she explained it as her battery ran down. Yeah. Um, but it. But the three months later, it still hasn't charged. So, so you think that she's... Is, is it a battery problem? I don't know. It could be... It could be something uh mental it it could be i i'm struggling to think like exactly what the mental hang up would be here right but maybe maybe it's more mental i don't know well we know that like it seemed like her powers are stronger when she's angry like when she can like channel rage or something like yeah. that um mm-hmm. maybe this profound sense of loss and grief um is like the, the like the opposite it's like a wet blanket on her powers Hmm. And if she, as she is able to emotionally heal and recover, um, maybe she can get her powers back. The other, the, the thing that I think is the most interesting is what if this is somehow a result of the bite? 
and the infection mm. she had from the upside down because yeah um i'm really interested to see the one advantage that l has always had over these upside down creatures is that while they are extremely powerful physically um and very hard to kill and very mutable in what they can do and what they can live off of and and, and subsist on uh they don't have any kind of psychic powers it doesn't seem like well they they do will and the mind flayer somehow connected and yeah 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 they, so they thing. can they can actually i guess take over people mentally but they can't like telekinetically fling things around they have to actually the uh, defect things at a distance yeah. they either have to take over a host which does seem like it introduces them to some vulnerabilities as well mm-hmm. or they have to actually go and physically trounce you is it possible that now that this thing's had a taste of 11 and maybe absorb some of her powers that the big threat next year is you're going to have Demogorgons who have mutant powers. Oh, boy. How do you stop that? I mean... It would stretch credibility that well, they could even stop That's it why you might need point. a bunch of L's brothers and sisters. Yeah, fair. You need a, you need a whole squad of uh, psychically attuned, gifted youngsters. I suppose it's possible. Really, anything is possible. Yeah. And I, we, the other thing I wanted to talk about, like, um, uh, a... Uh, a hook to the future is L sisters, but I feel like we've already talked about that. Okay. So, and, um, I know we have a ton of feedback. Yeah. I was going to say like, uh, just, just real quick. Lauren M is the one that sent in the, uh, reminder about Murray's phone number that if you call, he's mentions that she's, is trying to reach Joyce about an update. Hey everybody, before we get further into our discussion, just want to let you know what's going on on baldmove.com this week on bald move TV. It's really easy to find. Just go to your favorite podcast app, search for bald move TV, Sess and I will be continuing our coverage of Hulu's Harlots, a really fun show. It's on its third season. We're in episode two. Uh, and then Jim and I are looking forward to uh, August when AMC's The Terror, Infamy, comes back. Last year, The Terror was the surprise hit. It actually made a lot of noise in the Baldies. Jared Harris took home Baldies Gold <laughs> in the 2018 Baldies Awards. Uh, this is going to feature um, George Takai, and uh-huh. it's going to be set in the Japanese internment camps during World War II something horrific is happening in that community. Uh, if you like Stranger Things and you want a little taste for something a little bit more dark, a little bit more adult, uh, I highly recommend that you joining us uh, August for that. And that will also be in a Bald Move TV feed. Uh, we also are going to be releasing for club members uh, an Empire Business podcast this Thursday with an accompanying video podcast where we talk about uh, our video strategy uh, and some of the upgrades we're doing with the new studio and then also on Thursday, we'll be seeing a first-run bald movie, The Lion King. Finally, mm. the live-action Lion King that we've all been waiting for. <laughs> okay. Uh, then uh, we've also got a bunch of movies coming up. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Quentin Tarantino's latest, and uh, Tarantino apparently is how I'm pronouncing it. Mm. And also a Fast and Furious story, Hobbs and Shaw, which just looks badass. Yeah, I'm excited for Completely that. Completely fucking badass, and we'll be there to cover it. Uh, that is in the Bald Movies feed, which you can also find in the podcast app of your choice. I've got one other thing to promote before we get out of here. Uh, it's my girlfriend's pin website, pin-y.com. We have a Stranger Things pin uh sort of collaboration that we're doing with her um it's one of those pins where the font is looked at from uh one angle says stranger and if you flip it over sort of like you're in the upside down it says things uh it's pretty cool if you are interested in enamel pins and i i, I have to stress that it's p-i-n not p-e-n uh i i they're said the same it's, mm-hmm. it's hard to keep those things straight. Damn uh, you, English language. P-I-N-Y.com if you want to check that out. Last last chance, I think. Yeah, I got I to take that. a look at that this weekend. It's really swanky looking. I think it's, it's even cool. glow in the dark. 
Uh, yes, it That's does glow in the dark. Yeah, she's she's uh, going crazy with the, the, the enamel options there. Yeah, it's really cool. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Here are the highlights coming up this week on Bald Move. All new Pulp and Prestige this week. On Tuesday, we'll cover the latest episode of The Walking Dead, The Ones Who Live on Pulp. And on Thursday, we'll catch up with the latest Samurai subterfuge on FX Hulu's Shogun. Then, on our House of the Dragon feed, Anthony puts on his Maester's class on Monday. And then on Thursday, Steve joins him for Electric Boogaloo as they continue their discussion of George R. R. Martin's A Clash of Kings. Find these and many of our other great podcasts by searching for Bald Move Pulp or Prestige in your favorite podcast app. Before we continue, I want to talk about a great way to support club, uh, the, bald, the Bald Move. The Bald Move with the club. The club.baldmove.com. Uh, if you have enjoyed our coverage of Stranger Things, uh, please consider supporting us. You get a lot of cool special things for yourself. Uh, extra enhanced, uh, uh, extra audio content and visual content, enhanced content, uh, for uh, ad-free feeds, a uh, bunch of other stuff. You can go to club.baldmove.com to test drive these features and sign up. Uh, last week, we had a little bit of a snafu that caused us to not be able to process new club memberships. So if you heeded my call to action last year and ran into the teeth of that, we apologize. We have got it polished up and fixed, and we are now welcoming. We got the welcome at back out for new club members. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, uh, most of our revenue comes from direct listener support. It's one of the ways that we're able to maintain our independent status as podcasters. So if you have appreciated our Stranger Things coverage, if you'd like to see us continue to cover some of these smaller shows, some of these like bingier shows that require a lot of uh, labor and time to cover, please go to club.baldmove.com and uh, chip in your membership. There is... Uh, a question that Caitlin T had about how they will get the gang back together for next year. Yeah. She says, does the Hawking group go to the new Boyce uh, slash 11 location? Uh, I don't know what the show would be like if they left Hawkins. Is there, do you, do you have any thoughts about what the probability of the show moving away from Hawkins to a different Indiana town? Hmm. I'm actually kind of pro because I feel like they busted Hawkins all the way up. Uh, like, it <laughs> might certainly. be time to move to the next smallest shithole town because this one's gotten a little bit too big and cratery uh, for, for, for my tastes. And also, it would make sense because who the hell stays around in Hawkins? Like, this is three separate years that you've had a chemical leak or missing people, and now there's, like, there was 50 or some, some plus people that have, that have gone missing and killed. Corrupt and, uh, mayor and Russian invasion. Cr- yeah, like, it, like Hawkins might be cursed. So I, I could see it be an interesting way for them to reset the tone and the feeling of the show. It's like, okay, back to small town, middle America. Mm-hmm. We flirted around with, like, medium town, middle America. We're, go- we're going back home to, to small town. How about this? All Chicago. Oh, Chicago. <laughs> oh, yeah. Why not? Why go the, go go the, the opposite direction? The biggest of the middle American cities. Yep. Um, yep. You could have a battle at the top of Sears Tower. Yeah. Uh, which I think I think would have been still named Sears Tower at that point. Um, sure. I, d- I don't know when it was built. Actually, 
I'm sure it was. It's a very old building. Do you? I, I guess the the only thing the argument about staying with Hawkins is there are physically special things about Hawkins that they've established about like it's yeah, it's now gate. it's it's got permeability between one dimension and the next and like it seems likely that it's always going to be a hot spot unless mm-hmm. the events of next season take place entirely in Kamchuk, uh, Russia, uh-huh. which I don't buy for a minute. Then it seems like we're going to be stuck in Hawkins. Uh, she also ponders, do you think that this next season might be centered around a holiday? Because we've, you know, we've got the gang split up. There's going to be a, a summer road trip, Thanksgiving break, Christmas break, spring break. I mean, if you really want to kick it into high gear, you set it in winter. You set it around Christmas. Um, that's, you know, kind of just a fun time in general, but also that's when maybe the upside down would be the most active mm. or have the most potential for damage because, they like the cold. Right. It's like the height of their powers. And yeah. we just got them. Plus, it's another um, uh, it's another uh, change in kind of like the look and feel. And yeah. Yeah. Mid- Midwestern Christmas is... Uh, I've got a soft spot for it because I'm a Midwestern. I love Christmas. But mm-hmm. uh, it'll be interesting to see that. Uh, there's also some more ideas, some, some more theories on that to come. Uh, Caitlin also says the idea she's personally more in- most interested about is a time jump. Maybe the next season is actually two to three years ahead, and we jump the kids up to high school, maybe trading their bikes for driving cars and taking their first group road trip to visit Will and Eleven. Mm. Uh, this would help some of the cast who is a little bit aging out of their roles. Like they're yeah. In 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 Showtime, we've had three years, but the kids have had like five and a half, six, and you can definitely tell with some of them that they are they're 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 getting grown. Yeah, I mean. I don't know. Like I said, I'm not as inherently interested in the older teenage story um, mm-hmm. as I am these younger kids. But yeah, it's, it's a problem. Um, you either got to go older with the characters. Oh, well, I guess you have to go older with the characters because you can't go younger with the actors. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, the story has to follow those kids and they're getting older. Uh, Robert L. says, what did you think uh, after all is said and done about the change to the summer setting as opposed to the fall Halloween setting of season one and two? Would you like to see a return to fall for season four or a new setting? I think I'm on team winter. Yeah. But yeah. I thought moving this to summer did a lot for the show. Like it was visually mm-hmm. different. I mean, stuff we talked about in the preview podcast, like all that stuff worked like a charm, you know? Yeah. I mean, the kids being out of school was kind of nice yeah Um, we got to see a lot of them you know just sort of like (laughs) the parents still working Mm -hmm. but the kids being out of school and having all this time and just going to the mall whenever the hell they want and and, the parents being like that's like natural like oh you know how uh, summer is they're just at this house or that house and you just kind of assume like if there's any trouble someone would call you and it it allowed them to have like if this is school season there's no fucking way erica can be gone for like three goddamn days at a sleepover that's and why she's tooling around in a russian base like yeah i thought it did exactly what they wanted it to do and it's interesting because if they do do christmas christmas break is not the same thing like christmas like Mm -hmm. i don't think kids have the personal freedom to be gone for days at a time during christmas break because you got freezing cold out it's freezing (laughs) cold out yeah you also have it's it's dark earlier Mm -hmm. you also have the phenomenon of like you've got to be visiting friends and family and there's actually holidays and stuff to plan so like uh i like the idea of setting the winter but if i don't think they can pull the same kind of magic trick uh with with a, a winter vacation as they can in the summer one yeah 
Uh, Tim from Detroit. Netflix has done Christmas specials for a few of their big shows now, such as BoJack Horseman, Sabrina, uh, probably several others I don't watch. And it seemed to me like they were setting up Stranger Things perfectly for a special later this year. What do you think that would look like? Is it something you'd be interested in? I'm picturing something like Will and Elle returning to Hawkins for a visit and have the main plot entirely centered around Elle revealing to her friends that her powers are gone, trying to get them back and ultimately accepting her new powerless self. If they aren't planning on keeping her powerless, maybe throw a little Coke can wiggle in there to hint that maybe she'll get them back. Mm -hmm. The important thing is I want no life-threatening monsters in the episode. Keep it light and character-focused. I've also seen some internet speculation that season four might drop in full as soon as Christmas this year. Obviously, that's ridiculous. I Uh, I don't know. So so the writing is on the wall with these kids. They're getting older. I could see them wanting to plow through the rest of the show as fast as possible. Not not necessarily with release schedule, but certainly with filming. Like, there's got to be a sense of urgency behind the scenes. No, I agree. I'm just trying to... And this makes perfect sense. Like, it's kind of like, hey, we know these casts are getting older. That's something that we were really talking about throughout all the coverage of this season. Like, the kids are getting older. Kids are getting older. We have to find a way to hustle this up. They could pull a Lord of the Rings and just film everything. Yeah. But could they get away with that in secrecy? Uh, No. Like, this is a huge production. Like, I, I like... I mean, it's not beyond the realm of possibility because just like six years ago, Beyonce, the biggest pop star on the planet, managed to completely record and produce and release an album in total secrecy. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty amazing. But I imagine there's probably 20 to 30 times more people working on this show easily, easily yeah. than working for you know Beyonce's self-titled album, mm-hmm. as amazing as that was. So... It's within the realm of possibility when Hollywood or these entertainment things want to have something to happen. Secret, it's it's possible, but holy shit! Like, how do you keep the filming location secret? How do you keep the scripts from leaking? How do you keep in people? How do you keep uh, you know the guy who's doing the subtitles for Portuguese for season four? How do you keep all that from happening? I don't know because like uh, Game of Thrones never could do it. Yeah, no, it's with these big shows, especially the ones that have a lot of attention on them. It would be almost impossible unless they found some way to cram like this, the filming of seasons three and four together into, you know, what would normally be like a one season shooting schedule Mm -hmm. and just sort of used season three shooting as camouflage camouflage. Yeah, but I that seems almost impossible. It also blows like so here's the other thing. I would actually buy that if next is if next year is going to be set in the summer or if there's actually like um, right because if you switch up the season yeah like everything like, changes there's got to be if they have a Christmas episode with no snow and it's set in Indiana <laughs> that's bullshit that's it's all bullshit. it's all CG yeah. they they did it on you know a, a fucking Netflix soundstage in England uh, the kids never left it was right. a three week shooting. <laughs> schedule you know what they could do they could just like um because you know hallmark makes 37 christmas movies every year for Mm -hmm. christmas what if they they hid stranger things as a hallmark production because they all go to calgary and they film like these things like when there's a bunch of snow on the ground like and no one gives it no one's showing up at the sets for these fucking like you know prince print princess santa claus shit that they're doing yeah you know uh hometown christmas three with uh 
Candace Cameron. Like no one's camping out at those sets. Please, so they please, just... it's Lacey Chabert. <laughs> she she earned the right to be in that movie. Uh, I've watched Infinity more of these than you, Jim, because I know you watched <laughs> Zero, and I've watched at least three. So I I got a handle on who stars. Thank you very much. But you know what I'm saying? Like they could do something like that. Yeah, maybe. Pay, pay Hallmark a million dollars to look the other way, take over one of their productions. I, I don't know, but because that's the thing, like the, it seems like this is mutually contradictory to think that this is going to come back at Christmas around the Christmas season, and also that they could hide it within se- the shooting of season three. No, they hid it. Charlie Charlie Heaton hid the snow deep up his ass. I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He tra- he trafficked yeah. he trafficked a lot of it, and uh, there's enough <laughs> to cover the whole set. I'm sorry, Charlie. It's it's. The jokes. I have to make that you joke. Got, you got to make you the Coke make jokes. The, joke. We're new, about the new Coke jokes. We're going back to Coke Classic next year. No no more. But uh, yep. uh, Donald wrote, writes in, bold prediction, David Harbour has a full beard in all the press coverage right now. The kind of beard you'd have if you were being kept in captivity. Hmm. I think they've already filmed season four. Comic-Con is coming. How would it be if during that the Duffers dropped season four trailer on us and said coming February 2020? I know it's not likely, but a nerd can dream, right? Uh, I now mean, would, I mean, yeah. like, this is amazing, and Comic Con is is going to start to rage tomorrow, uh, Thursday, yeah, Thursday, sometime this weekend. It's sure. going to start heating up, like so. By next week, if 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 any of this stuff is true, we'll have heard about it. And I don't know, like mm-hmm. I I'd be willing that if something like that jaw dropping, a new trailer, I just come back next week and do like a surprise addendum to this thing yeah. because that would be amazing. And I mean, I almost want it to be true, but mm-hmm. my. Yeah, my heart wants it to be true, but my head's like, just, just. I don't see they can keep it secret. I don't think they can turn it around. Um, I think Harbor's yeah. the kind of guy that would just grow out a beard just because. Okay. Yeah, it's like looking at Nick Offerman with a beard and saying, that guy must be filming something that requires a beard. No, right. no he just wants a beard. Like, right. Yeah, once he's done with Ron Swanson, he's went uh-huh. back to the, 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 the beard man. So I, I, I'm hoping you guys are right, and there's certainly definitely some hints that that could be, but... Just the way I know Hollywood works makes me think it's it's wishful thinking. Uh, a Wookiee writes in, The Duffer Brothers always release a new season during the same time of year as the season takes place. The Chernobyl explosion happened, as we know, April 26, 1986. I believe it was in your preview podcast for season three that you mentioned season four possibly being about the upside down or the Stranger Things plot having something to do with the accident at Chernobyl. But that's not very much time to turn out a new season of the show unless they're going to make us wait a year and ten months for next season, which I believe is unlikely. Yeah, I don't. I, I certainly think the reverse is true. That there's, there, we're not going to get another year and a half, two year delay between Stranger Things. Yeah, you can't with these kids. If they do, then they're going to have to abandon the idea that we're going to follow these kids. You, they're going to have to just say, okay, yeah, we had a three or four year time jump and explain. Which is, it's actually, if especially if it's a final season, that's something that's totally doable. It's just mm-hmm. it doesn't seem like they want to do it. So I'm looking for for a fast turnaround. Uh, what about if Chernobyl is included in the story, it will be something more that the monster of the season goes to Chernobyl to grow and get bigger, much like the monster from season three eating chemicals. Mm. What better way for a monster to grow than from a nuclear reactor that recently exploded and is releasing radiation or possibly that the Chernobyl accident was actually on purpose for the exact reason to grow the monster. Regardless, I don't think the events of season four will be the cause of Chernobyl because the turnaround time is too short. I actually really kind of low-key love the Chernobyl theory. Yeah. Um, Now that we know everything we know about season three, the fact that 
the Chernobyl disaster could be used as a cover for some kind of portal technology going wrong. The fact it could be used, as you said, to like grow the monsters larger and do some interesting mutation. Um, I think all those things are really great ideas. I just don't see Stranger Things being set in Russia. So like Chernobyl will either be like a joke at the end that you just have to understand that like, oh, the Russians just blew themselves up. Uh, and Chernobyl's, or it would be an inciting incident. Mm-hmm. The other thing, if I was a Duffers, I'd be real careful about um, how you use Chernobyl when we just had this like gut-wrenching, soul-searing drama about just how fucked up it was and how many people died and how heroic this act. Like, to come in and be like, oh, this is actually bullshit. It's a gut- it's, it's almost like cheapens it. I don't know. I mean, Stranger Things is entirely different thing i know i i'm just saying that like you sometimes have to take the pop culture temperature of the room like if you had a banger idea in the fall of 2001 to use the world trade center to like sure. get blown away and open up a portal to another dimension tough fucking titty you gotta reshoot those scenes because everybody yeah. is going to hate it and if we just had a nuclear meltdown that killed tens of thousands of people mm-hmm. uh in america yeah i would say the same don't mm-hmm. do your chernobyl idea but a TV show based on a historical event, I don't know, in my mind, is not cause to not go to the Chernobyl well. It is weird because it's like, you know, obviously if it hadn't been for Chernobyl miniseries, Chernobyl's far enough in the past that you could do that, and I don't think it'd be yeah. terribly offended, but it's almost like uh, a reopening kind of the wound, or, or people are just more sensitive to it. I don't know. Yeah. It'd be it'd be interesting. But on the other hand, I guess you could see that you could say that the public's kind of primed to like, oh yeah, Chernobyl, right, and to, mm-hmm. to, to put those pieces together, so interesting idea max from australia leading up to season three there was many discussions about the implementation of time travel this season not only the clock in the mall when blue and yellow meets in the west which was visible in the trailers for this season but also the release of back to the future in the summer of 85 are indications that duffers might be using time travel now looking back to season i think of hopper's final speech in which he says maybe that's why i came in here to turn back the clock to make things go back to how they were Came in here obviously relates to L's room, but it can also be interpreted as him referring to the upside down. He then goes on and says how thinking that that would be naive and how life is always moving. But for the sake of the time travel argument, one could rely on just that part of his speech alone. I agree. I was hoping that you could discuss these points in your wrap up podcast. I'm aware that some of these interpretations are wishful thinking and the back to the future would be a bit too on the nose. In addition, it would not be the first time I've been fooled by this implementation of said movie hinting at time travel as seen already on Mr. Robot. <laughs> um, so hmm. I thought this was an interesting idea, and I just saw this morning a TV Guide article, and I'm going to quote from it. It says, to find the biggest clue that season four might include time travel, one has to go all the way back to one of the original inspirations for the show, The Montauk Project. Not to be confused with MK Ultra, the Montauk Project is a conspiracy theory that the government secretly experimented in teleportation, mind control, and you guessed it, time travel based in Long Island, New York. The original pitch for the series, then called Montauk, also mentioned time travel. So we didn't get it this season, but it was clearly on the Duffer's mind and how they originally envisioned Stranger Things was going to involve that kind of project. So... I could totally see season four being them taking that idea off the shelf and, and say, Hey, we hinted at it. Like, like Hopper's speech there going back. Like he has been in the upside down in season one. Uh, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it, it, it works on multiple levels. And, it, it you know, obviously, I'm not going to say that time travel is definitely a thing, but it's something. Yeah, I, I, I almost feel like this season would have been the season to hint at it more strongly if you were going to go there, because this is the back to the future time frame. And if you really wanted to let us know, I mean, maybe they they don't want to let us know, but if they did, now would be the time, and they didn't really do that, in my opinion. It's pretty smart, though, if you wanted to throw people off the trail to, like, beg the time travel question this season yeah. and then have it be a Mr. Robot kind of wah-wah, mm-hmm. and then next season implement, execute on it. And I didn't know about this yeah. history of it being like, being originally called Montauk and being based on the Montauk project. It's interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I also want to talk a little bit about the pop culture references. Uh, One of our fans, Travis G, made a YouTube video that I'm going to link in the show notes where he kind of did a lot of these things were surprisingly not just references, but like almost shot for shot remakes of these particular visual gags like uh, one from Back to the Future where Marty is in his mom's bedroom trying desperately to put his pants on. uh, And he falls flat on his face like they did that exact uh, gag with Jonathan um the mr peabody on the tree farm uh them running over the mailbox and through the fence it was like literally shot for shot from back to the future um arnold schwarzenegger coming out of the the facility with the rocket or the grenade launcher grenade launcher and terminator and, 2 was yeah the 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 terminator guy from this coming out of the farmhouse like again shot for shot i thought yeah. that uh remember we we're trying to think of like that the significance of the daisy bell song that was playing on that little um, uh, horse the ride. Horse, yeah, um, that's something that Hal from two thousand one was was singing. Um, I'm huh. not exactly uh-huh. sure the reference there because there wasn't any like computers run amok. No, I think it's just the song yeah. was used in both. Uh, Jaws, um, Police Chief Brody yeah. says uh, drunkenly, "I'm the chief of police. I can do whatever he wants," and that's exactly what Hopper says as he gets up uh, from his uh, broken date. Uh, there's the line from Die Hard where a henchman with the same vaguely German accent says you're a policeman. Policeman has rules. Um, and then a lot of the scene, there's a lot of sequences from the blob that I thought were very close. Like yeah. the blob sent these like face sucking appendages out to grab onto people's faces with very similar kind of pumping effect. Uh, a, lot, sh- a, a lot of those scenes look like they're also from the abyss. Maybe mm. like the, the things where the tentacles are sort of snaking through yeah, the room yeah, yeah. look a lot like, that. yeah, uh, and then, it, of course, flowing through different grates and vents, they had some side-by-side yeah. f- footage of that. So uh, did a really good job there, Travis. And, my, uh, my girlfriend last night watched uh, episode six, I think it is, and it's mm-hmm. the one where the outside the hospital thing goes into the grate and, and leaves, leaves the, the bone behind, and yeah. she was really disgusted by that. It's, it is gross. They did such a great job with that monster. Yeah. No, it, it, it's just, it's just <laughs> disgusting, disgusting season. Yeah, I love it. Uh, Josh H wants to give us some props because here's two quotes from a season two wrap up podcast. Uh, Aaron referencing L and the rest of the group. I think they have to kind of have to save her in a very real way next season. And Jim said back to the future needs to be part of this next season. Um, and he just says it's like, you know, that's, that's as good examples of Duffer's knowing how to tell a natural story. They didn't do as much with it as I'd hoped, I guess. I mean, it was this, it was the, the 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 soundtrack for an entire episode and like a good probably three or four minutes of the movie was actually in the show i you're right they didn't i would say they went harder on like terminator they went harder on surprisingly hard on terminator 
uh, I mean, shit, the never-ending story, I thought, got more prime time yeah. than Back to the Future all in this season. All the Cronenberg stuff, all the yeah, uh, yeah. the the, um, the Thing stuff was was very crucial. Um, even, like, you know, the, the scenes of the, the uh, townsfolk stumbling into the steelworks and, like, throwing themselves into, that was very reminiscent of, like, a zombie's kind of, like, yeah. you know, staggering and stumbling into an area. Um, Josh also wants to know... Um, Given their track record, it's a foregone conclusion the next season will in- include yet another star of 80s pop culture in some way of a supporting role. Which actor would you like to see? A few possibilities. Emilio Estevez, Anthony Michael <laughs> Hall, Corey Feldman, Molly Ringwald, Eddie Murphy, Elizabeth Shue. I thought I threw I, I, I come up with a few others like Ralph Macchio because he's doing a they, lot of they dramatic. They mention him in this episode, too, and, or in and, the season. Oh, if they mention them, it's hard to do. Yeah, it's hard, the, it's the hard girls to mention... talk about how hot he is. Or... Yeah, it'd be like if Arnold shows up as the new town mayor next year. It's like, yeah, I already yeah. referenced him and the Terminator. Uh, but I like because, you know, he's he did uh, some good cameo work in The Deuce last year. Mm-hmm. Um, Josh Brolin. It would be. It wouldn't have been super hmm. fun if Josh Brolin showed up as uh, Bob's older brother, <laughs> like to collect his personal effects at the beginning sure. of this. Wouldn't that have been fun? Uh-huh. Um. I guess out of Josh's list, I've always been a sucker for Elizabeth Shue. I wish Bill Paxton was still around, man. He uh, he could have been great in this. Yeah. Uh, I like I like Elizabeth Shue. I like the idea of Molly Ringwald being like uh, a new mom. Uh huh. Um, or maybe like a reporter type. She could be good at that kind of role. too. And there's so much opportunity to bring. Ooh, like an older men- people like in. a mentor for the way Steve is for like D- Dustin. Mm-hmm. Like like what if uh, Molly Ringwald is some kind of investigative reporter and she kind of takes uh, Nancy under her wing? That'd be kind of cool. Yeah, that could be cool. Any other 80s? I mean, of that list, I think I like Emilio Estevez the most because I haven't seen him in the longest time. Like right. I've seen Molly Ringwald and other stuff. I've definitely seen Anthony Michael Hall everywhere mm-hmm. on these really shitty procedural shows and stuff. But like Emilio Estevez, where is he right now? Last time I saw him, wasn't he in like some kind of movie about aliens with their knees bending backwards? <laughs> sure, that sounds like a thing that Emilio like, Estevez like could get. Fire in the Sky or The Arrival or something like that. And that, but that's a long fucking hmm. time ago. Yeah. Uh. Maybe he can be uh, coaching a hockey team, the Hawkins hockey team. <laughs> hockey team. Did, wasn't he in the 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 Mighty Ducks? Yeah. Well, what? Okay, let me float something. Okay, float it. Matthew Broderick. Okay. What's okay? I, I mean, star of Ferris Bueller's sure. Day Off. Obviously, he's got the cred. He's he's got the '80s cred. He could be a teacher, like kind of like reprises election role. Right. Right. I could see Matthew Broderick. He's like the level of actor that I think people will will go, man, I haven't seen Matthew Broderick in so long since like Godzilla 2000 or something. Uh, what's he been up to? Oh, here he is in Stranger Things. David Hasselhoff. Mm, that's a good one. I mean, he's so Especially, 80s, man. Oh, if you can get him in a fucking Trans Am or whatever it is. Oh, God. That it's too bad we've epic. already seen Billy's father because he oh, would be. Oh yeah, he'd be a great, he'd be amazing. Just like playing as a total <laughs> asshole, uh-huh. like with his shirt unbuttoned down to his like belly button <laughs> and gold chains. He's like like almost still seventies somehow and sleazy. But yeah, they uh, have we. Yeah, we already met Jonathan's dad too. He's a real shit, but he would have been real mm-hmm. good at that in that that role. He's almost too cool for be, to be Jonathan Will's dad. I still think they missed a huge opportunity not bringing Crispin Glover in. 
yeah as a carny or something not too late not too late you could still fit yeah true especially if you're going bigger on time travel next uh season yeah uh who played biff tanner in the original fuck i don't remember his name but uh that would be kind of fun apparently too. he's like a super nice guy yeah, 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 yeah. I don't think he's a total asshole. He's no. just plays he's just really good acting. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, let's let's move on. Uh, Kaylee H. Won the weigh in a little on what you said in episode three hundred two, talking about Robin learning the Cyrillic alphabet. I think this situation is actually very plausible for her, especially with just a few short sentences that needed to be decoded. Hmm. I'm currently studying Russian abroad, so I myself have learned the Russian alphabet, and my only experience with language was Spanish throughout school. It took me about two days to understand how the letters compare to English letters and its pronunciation. I have other foreigners in my class studying Russian, and the ones who knew more languages, regardless of their alphabet or structure, caught on quicker to Russian in my class. It's just the nature of the part of your brain that's constantly being exercised to learn languages. I think with Robin's obvious natural ability to learn these languages, she would definitely be able to succeed in this task in a short amount of time. Hmm. You know, like I said, it wasn't the the biggest implausibility, and if it uh, turns out Cyrillic is one of the easier languages to crack, then uh, good on them. Zach L., you guys were talking about Will's sexuality or lack there of it. I remembered that this wasn't the first time it came up in season one, episode one, around 18 minutes in. Joyce is talking to Hopper and talks about how the other kids make fun of him and how Will's father called him a queer and a fag. Hopper asks, well, is he? And Joyce says, he's missing. So never this was never resolved, but it's not the first time it was mentioned. And if the show has taught me anything, it's that while I can like a lot of stuff about the 80s, I shouldn't feel nostalgia for it. The opinions and cultural norms people had been, then were real shitty. Sure. Yeah, it's 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 tough. Uh, you know, there's things you can like about different, but the further back in time you go, you're really rolling a lot of progress back for significant parts of our citizenry, and, and you always got to remember that. Yeah, like I think those those scenes in the newspaper office are hard to watch some people said they were uh, over but, the top but no, i no no uh-uh. you're wrong about that especially yeah. in a news office especially in, that era. in the midwest it tends to be a decade behind yeah like like stuff that was go with would like like madman level behavior you know maybe that was mm-hmm. gauche in the 80s of, of, of new york city but i don't know because i've seen wall street and the wolf of wall street yeah no i, I think in like highly male dominated uh industries aka the workplace back. <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah but like yeah. even more so in a fucking newsroom right. it was like you're a, you're a typist right. if, if you're anything and you're a woman in this industry yeah like you're just gonna be typing the fucking stories that we do you're gonna right. be getting us our coffee our sandwiches i i thought that was super accurate hard to watch yeah like not something that's cool today definitely it's like uh in the weird al yankovic's weird uh uhf plot point fran drescher Hey, broads don't belong in broadcasting. You Jesus. Know? Uh, yeah, pair- she puts the broad in broadcasting. Yeah. That's what it's supposed to be. Got a Veronica Corningstone that shit. Also, please don't say broad. It's not very respectful. <laughs> I was just quoting <laughs> UHF, okay? No, no, no. I, not you, the actor. Um, but yeah, I. Uh, so, so back about Will. It's tough because he's young and, you know, kids, he's not finished baking. Like, right. uh, he could be, like we said, he, he could be gay, mm-hmm. could be asexual, could be bisexual. 
could 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 be something else. He could be just uh, like experimenting, not sure, or he could be super fucking traumatized by all the shit that he went through the last few years. Uh, mm-hmm. Spent a lot of time in fucking various cocoons and being mentally raped by other extra dimensional beings while his friends were being just regular kids, and he's a little stunted in his sexual development period. So like and he's sensitive about it, yeah, yeah. Or maybe he's heard his dad and his mom have whispered conversations about it, and everybody making fun of him at school, and it's put him off like. Like it, he's very super sensitive. So when his when his when Mike just said it's not my fault you're not interested in the girls, he just instantly instantly went back to like oh Mike's bullying me like everybody else has like yeah so many different um, explanations for why a adolescent a very young adolescent could be flaky about concepts of sexuality. Um, but mm-hmm. again, this Noah Schnapp kid uh, is super good and all of those possibilities are kind of there in that performance and it'll be fun uh to see like you know if we get to to know more about will i hope so because he got to do a little bit more this year and i think he actually is one of the better young actors Mm -hmm. i i just need him to do even more in season four yeah that's that's my motto will more in season four Rick, how you doing, buddy? You, you don't know what it's like out there. Hey, man, do do you even know what it's like out there? No, not really. I've been mostly kind of flying around in helicopters, carving likenesses of Michonne into cell phones, that kind of thing. What is it like out there? Oh, well, I think it's time to find out, man. Last I saw your wife, Michonne, was out uh, following a giant wagon train. That, that sounds pretty weird, but it seems like a family-friendly outfit. I mean, she's got RJ and Judah with her, right? Um, actually, she kind of left them to be raised by... Negan and Daryl. Well, crap. Hold on, let me get my boots. All right, well, Rick is getting ready. Aaron and I are, too. We're preparing to once again recommission The Watching Dead out of mothball status to find out what's going on with Rick and Michonne, The Ones Who Live. The six-part miniseries premieres Sunday, February 25th on AMC, and we'll be ready with our full episodic coverage each Tuesday. And afterwards, who knows? Maybe we'll check out Dead City. Find our coverage for The Ones Who Live by searching for The Watching Dead or Bald Move Pulp wherever you listen to podcasts. FX is adapting James Clavell's best-selling novel, Shogun, into a 10-part miniseries this spring. Set in the shogunate period of Japan at the turn of the 15th century, Shogun depicts the rise of a feudal lord to Shogun, as seen through the eyes of a shipwrecked English sailor. It's loosely based on the real-life exploits of William Adams and Tokugawa Ieyasu. Shogun has already been successfully adapted back in 1980 with a widely acclaimed miniseries starring Richard Chamberlain featuring intricate plots, political scheming, complex characters, and thrilling action. This time, husband and wife team Justin Marks and Rachel Kondo try to recapture the successes of the novel and early adaptations while increasing the levels of historical and cultural accuracy that are often perceived as flaws of this and similar works. Starring Hiroyuki Sonata from The Last Samurai, Mortal Kombat, and John Wick 4, with Cosmo Jarvis of Peaky Blinders, Raised by Wolves, etc., joining the truly massive cast required to bring this complex world to life. Join Aaron and I each week as we deep dive into each episode, uncovering the mysteries, the intrigue, and the glory of Shogun. Shogun premieres on FX Hulu Tuesday, February 27th at the two-part debut. 
Our podcast will release each Thursday thereafter. Get our Shogun coverage by searching for Bald Move Prestige in your favorite podcast app. Uh, Andrew E., in the episode E Pluribus Unum, right after the intro music, there's a sign on the fair that says Mayor Klein Presents. The sign is styled after the Trump MAGA sign. See screenshots attached. I'm guessing we're meant to draw the parallel of a corrupt leader. Um, I, I first I'm thought, like, I, you know what? When when I got the email, I'm like, you know, red, white, and blue with stars. Yeah, pretty, pretty generic. fucking generic political sign. Mm-hmm. But when I saw them side by side, they're exactly five stars on top. Exactly, it's it's the yeah, very similar the font. Shots. There, there. If, if you look for them, there's a little. There, they. I don't think they do a lot of overt political commentary, but there's definitely some to be found in the season. Uh, Keith Z. Anyone else find it amazing and ironic that only not only can Billy be possessed by a pan-dimensional demonic entity, but he can act, he can act as, it, as its chief henchman and yet still be less of a complete asshole than when he's just a high school student. <laughs> arguable yeah arguable yeah okay i see where you're coming from i mean he actually redeemed himself while he was under the influence of that so arguably it was a uh personality upgrade yeah the mind flayer taking him over uh christina J. hey guys love your show i'm loving the new additions of erica and robin to the cast i do believe erica is supposed to be 10 and as an african-american woman myself with three sisters grow up in the 80s I thought she's pretty dang accurate, especially with the whole black exploitation era in the previous decade. I mean, that makes sense. Like, if you grew up as, and your role models are like Shaft and Foxy Brown, mm-hmm. then you know uh, there there is a little bit of uh, sauce that comes comes with those dishes. Sure. Uh, Christina continues. I understand that she can come off a little extra, but I can't help but chuckle at the memories. I love how she's always running with a squad of her younger uh, friends. At her age, my sisters were pretending to smoke using parts of hair rollers. I feel like the constant toot is part of the culture. However, I would like to know more about her sans the sass. Hmm. It seems like next year they might have like a mini Stranger Things just with Erica and her friends. Like I would love to see them running a, a My Little Ponies campaign with D and D rules. <laughs> Uh-huh. Like just just straight up do what Dustin was talking about, except for they're actually rolling for success. And, and... I mean, Dustin could even be like DMing for him, right? Like, yeah. I could see where like Dustin and Erica are now somewhat friends. At least they've sure. been through a lot together. And it would be interesting if like the monster from their campaign ended up being like uh-huh. kind of taking the form of the demigod or the the mind flare of next year. I, there's a lot they can do with that, and I'm pretty excited. It, yeah. The only thing that makes me scared is like, my God, this is already an em- enormous cast. Mm-hmm. And every time the internet takes a shine to somebody, you got it. So it's like, you know, first year is already a pretty big ensemble. Then we add Max and Billy and get Eric introduced. Eric becomes a bigger part. Then you bring in her friends like, Lord, this is Game of Thrones all of a sudden. Yeah. But uh, yeah, more more Erica. F- flush her out. Uh, Aaron FC. I haven't been able to find anything online about this Easter egg, so I don't know how many people caught it. But the line about being, getting blueprints from the county recorder's office is ripped verbatim from the movie Sneakers at one hour, 18 minutes into the movie. Carl, played by Phoenix, hmm. River Phoenix, rather, says the exact same line when he gets the blueprints for the toy company. Even Dustin's reply of not bad is from Sneakers 2. Uh, now, Sneakers came out in 1992. We found in our research that um, they sometimes color outside the lines with their references. Oh, yeah. Mostly with... Te- uh, with with um, like uh, audio cues, mm-hmm, music but, and stuff. Yeah, yeah, music and stuff like that. But maybe they're starting to play a little bit fast and loose in the movies too. Um, 
Will M. In previous seasons, the only thing the show had to convince me of was the fantastical elements of the Upside Down. Otherwise, the setting felt like the real world. This season, the Russian subplot really interrupted my suspense of disbelief. And he continues to talk. I think we kind of covered this, but do you have any other thoughts about um, the idea that season three might be a little bit more cartoonish or outlandish, James Bondish than we've gotten used to uh, with previous seasons? I mean, I don't have too many additional thoughts. It just, it honestly didn't bother me. I'd Uh, worry more if this was like a 10 season deal. Sure, yeah. But like, you know, there is an end, it is in sight, and they have, you kind of have to get bigger and and bigger and bigger in in these type of things. So hopefully that the the show will wrap up and end naturally before it gets so big that the majority of people can't can't follow along anymore. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, Renee from Yosemite regarding just hanging out with Fagin and the gang. Remember, we had a question about what kind of reference or what what yeah. friend group we missed with Jonathan. Uh, she says when Nancy and Jonathan were fighting in the car, she made the comment, oh, good, another Oliver Twist story. Uh, Oliver Twist is a book, of course, by Charles Dickens uh, about a poor or- orphan boy in 1830s England. The Fagin Jonathan refers to is the gang leader of juvenile pickpockets, and Oliver spends time with these getting into trouble. So hmm. he was just... Okay. He was just uh, shining her on about her Oliver Twist crack. Yeah. Uh, Jeff from Chicago, land of the mutant teenage girls. Uh, uh, Regarding uh, why unanswered questions and Stranger Things are okay. He says, why did I feel as though not understanding a damn thing about the White Walkers and Game of Thrones struck a major blow to my enjoyment of that series? But I don't care if we learn that much more about the Upside Down. Like, if the Mind Flayer controls all beings or there are separate actors like Demogorgons and the Mind Flayers that act independently, I guess it would be nice to know. But all I really care about in the show is uh, and how it hangs is the interactions with the Upside Down and how it affects the party and the friends and family of them. Is this because the show is mainly about children coping with these challenges and Game of Thrones is more about the consequences and larger themes such as power? Are the Duffer Brothers better at creating a character-led show than the Double Ds? Would uh, you, I'd be interested in hearing you two, uh, if you two feel the same way and, and to discuss this. Um, I think it's probably all of the above. Like, Yeah, I mean, I, I don't... <laughs> It's weird to say, oh, the double Ds are not as good at creating characters because they didn't have to create characters. Like, that's the right. weird thing, right? Yeah. It's an adaptation versus a wholly original work. Mm-hmm. I I don't know how much direct comparison we can make between the Duffers and the other D brothers. Uh, but as far as the show goes, I think it, it, the show had trained us to want information about everything. Mm-hmm. And I don't think Stranger Things has done that which makes it easier when we don't get the information. Yeah, they've really never taken the time to explain Elle's powers and how they made the portal. Well, like, you know, like the, 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 yeah. There's just a lot of stuff that you kind of intuit, but it's not the point, because the point is you got a scared little girl who's alienated from society, and she's mm-hmm. been accepted amongst a group of her peers, uh, and then they, they do good things together. So... Yeah, like the the stakes. Uh, also, these these are all very small. Like um, all of the action in Stranger Things is contained amongst a group of like ten to fifteen people. Mm-hmm. Where Game of Thrones, like my God, the main cast was like fifty, and then there's extended cast was like a hundred people, and then it involved entire continents. Yeah. Uh, so 
when you got those bigger stakes, you kind of have to have bigger answers. Where when you have smaller stakes, you really only have to answer the things that are important to L and Mike and Will and Lucas mm-hmm. and Dustin. So, uh, Dr. Cynthia. The summer of 85 was right after I graduated high school, so you can imagine how psyched I was about Stranger Things 3. As I do for all my shows, I plan to binge watch along with your schedule so I could get all the recaps, but... My 14-year-old daughter refused to wait for me. Yeah. Imagine my frustration as I'm overhearing my 14-year-old hysterically crying in the basement. <laughs> Knowing I'd be seeing her friends and terrified of getting spoilers, I just forced myself to rush through the whole damn thing as fast as I could. I loved it, but I really wish Netflix had released the episodes a few at a time so I could have savored each of them a bit longer. I didn't like feeling forced to binge it. Am I just too old, or is this new format just killing the buzz of TV watching? I really miss the water cooler chattering after episodes. There's so much cool 80s stuff to process, and it gets lost in the force feeding. Uh, don't you guys agree? Yeah, I've been thinking about this. I Because it it's clear to me that this is not a, a trend. I think it's something that Netflix is pointedly doing and mm-hmm. you know they're not the only ones doing it but they're not also not everyone does it they're just about the only ones that do it like i can't think of, there's no other network i can think of that consistently just shits the whole thing out at once yeah i i, I can't think of an example um so yeah you might be right about that but i think this works really well for younger people because every day you go to school or you talk with your friends on your phone, and I'm talking about texting, not fucking phone calls. Nobody does that anymore. Sure. Where are we, farmers? Yeah, get out of here. Uh, and there are all of these opportunities to get together and talk about the new show that you just binged, and you have more time to binge shows. Like, I think this is a young person's uh, method of of releasing and watching television, and it works great for that. Because it always gives them something new to talk about the next day at school, the next week at school. Oh, man, did you see all eight of those episodes? Yeah, I did. I watched them all. Let's talk about it. Adults don't have those luxuries. They don't have the time to binge watch eight episodes in a row, typically. Um, And if they do, they're certainly not doing that every week. Um, And so they're not constantly seeing the new show that's out and being able to talk about it. So I think it's inconvenient for us as adults, but I think it's actually really cool for kids. Or, or not even just kids, but young people in general. I still like, but why does Netflix? But it seems to me that this is damaging to Netflix's brands because it's hard to make an argument that it's better to have Stranger Things come out July Fourth weekend and then everybody talk about it for about a week and then it's gone. Mm-hmm. Versus it de- debuts July Fourth weekend, everyone's super excited about it. And then it's airing the next eight weeks. Maybe they do two weeks, so you get four weeks. But you're now one-twelfth of the year. You've captured people's cultural and imaginations about Stranger Things rather than one-fifty-second of the year. Mm -hmm. And I just see that it's harder for these Netflix properties to gain that kind of like mind share because they're always – it's about like, okay, here's eight hours of content. Here's 13 more, and here's 13 more. And they always have – you know, they have to sustain this breakneck pace to keep people engaged. And I just don't, I, I, I don't know. I wish I had their data because I don't, it, it seems to me that, so if you release it in binge, then you encourage people to watch as much as they can. So that like people probably finish it more often than like if something comes out over like a 10 week and some people get this d- delayed or distracted or whatever. But I still don't know how that translates into dollars and cents for them. 
I don't know. I don't know. I mean, when looked at sort of, uh, I guess, separate from the idea of like, oh, we want to make a show popular and say, we just want to make Netflix popular. Mm-hmm. I think that's a that might be a more valid way to go about it. Just like, we're going to keep you on Netflix by pumping out this content and you're going to be so inundated by that that you really don't have time to watch an HBO or a Hulu or whatever. We just got something new for you. Why ever leave Netflix? Right. Why ever? Because there's always something new for just you. Just keep them captured within that ecosystem. Yeah. yeah. So, yes, it doesn't service, like, you know, frankly, our business model here at Bald Move because uh, we don't, the, the, people don't buy into the show as much and get as much hype around a single show and it doesn't last as long. Mm-hmm. But I think for Netflix, like, they're building hype for Netflix, not for Stranger Things. Yeah. And I think it might do better in that regard. Yeah, I'd be interested to see if they continue. Because, again, I thought my, my initial worry is that everyone would be doing that. And then yeah. how in the world could you, you know, how, how, how could we ever hope to cover some of these shows that have come out on, you know, uh, Amazon, some of these shows that come out on Hulu. But it seems like a lot, the majority of them aren't aren't like that, you know. Like, yeah, I wonder what HBO is going to get up to when they actually get their content pipeline going yeah because i know they want to speed up the frequency of releases will they stick with the once a week one episode a week or are they going to go more like netflix i think they could it's just like more of like hbo is all built around sunday night right and i think that they it's it's not so much they want to like shit everything out on one particular night but it's more like hey maybe people should think about us in terms of like monday tuesday wednesday nights as well or Mm -hmm. you know could they Instead of like, they seem like they alternate between comedy, drama, comedy, drama. Uh, why don't like Friday's comedy and Sunday's drama or like start using the days? I, I don't know. It, I, I'm kind of interested too, but I, I used to worry that everyone's going to go to Netflix. It seems yeah. like uh, not many are, probably because they don't have the output that Netflix does. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah, you got to release like, a lot Hulu of stuff. Hulu pulls if that you're shit. They it. got four weeks of mind share for the whole year like mm-hmm. you know say what you will about netflix like damn near every six weeks they come out of something that's newsworthy yeah like you know last year they had the uh, haunted on the haunt, haunt, yeah, haunt house. of hill hill house haunt street blues yeah the haunting of hill house um they had yeah. the marvel stuff they've had uh stranger things they had house of cards back in the beginning um mm-hmm. you know i know i met they're do all these netflix original uh movies they've got like it seems like every six you know they had the bird bask bird nest bird, bird box bird yeah. box uh the, the, every six weeks or so they have something noteworthy so they don't have the yeah. longevity of each individual seasons it's just more like holy shit look at this crazy thing that came out of netflix everyone's got to watch it you know yeah and that's got value it clearly. sure does uh, Sarah T, in your podcast about finale, you say you're confused about why Jonathan's moving in with his mom and where he could just get a job and stay, but he can't because you've lost track of his and Nancy's school year. They're both seniors in high school when the buyers move. Jonathan and Nancy are and have been in the same grade while Steve is a year ahead. In season two, Steve talks to Nancy in the car about how if he doesn't hmm. go to college, he could be around for her senior year. So Stranger Things 3 takes place during the summer following Stranger Things 2, making it the summer between Jonathan and Nancy's junior and senior years in high school. Um, it's extra bittersweet or cruel if you do the math on the time jump. Okay. They'd be moving around October 5th, meaning Jonathan and Nancy and the kids have started their senior year in high school together and now are being separated. Oof, my heart. This uh, this goes all the way back to season one. Like, 
where Joyce is talking about how Will is this fragile little leaf that needs to be taken care of and Jonathan's strong. Mm -hmm. Like, she's really throwing Jonathan under the bus. Hey, Jonathan, we're going to move in your fucking final year of high school. Right. And you're going to go to an entirely new school. You're going to have no friends. Right. Uh, Just fucking deal with it, because I know you can. We need to get Will out of this town. Well, like, plus that, that, that's a real dick move. I mean, her job's gone too. Like, says I don't think she you chose go, you it. Go to fucking Sam Goody. She can get a job. Yeah, <laughs> there, there are plenty of jobs in the mall. Joyce, sign up for the mall cleanup crew. So yeah. what? You get you, you, you get some uh, in, in breathing in some, some uh, what do you call it? Upside down spores. mesomioma. Yeah. What's a little bit of that with for your kids? Come on, Joyce. You, you might get it infested by the mind flare. I don't know, but yeah. but think of Jonathan here. Yeah, yeah. Someone think of Jonathan. <laughs> Chris from New Hampshire. I just wanted to bring up something my wife called the moment the scene happened when the three guys are playing Dungeons and Dragons and they come up against a zombie horde. Will gets exasperated for them to not actually about not actually wanting to play. And Mike is like, fine. okay." we cast a spell, burn the whole room down and die as martyrs to save the town. As soon as Mike said that, she said, that's totally going to happen. Someone's going to sacrifice themselves and die to save everyone. And that's exactly what Hopper did. Yeah. Pretty cool foreshadow, especially with the zombie horde. Mm-hmm. I remember when that happened, uh, we were like, oh, God, because we were looking for the Battle of Starcourt to be kind of like a zombie mall fight. And yeah. we were expecting a little bit more literal fulfillment of that particular prophecy, Chris. But uh, good on your wife for spotting it. And we forgot to mention, it, I believe, on the podcast. Uh, Ashley R., you mentioned Chekhov's gun several times this season. I felt like the Duffer brothers did Nancy a huge disservice by introducing advice from her mother in pursuit of her news story and then just first killing everyone at the news office and finally having another news source tell her story. To me, it made the whole mother-daughter scene one of the only times a parent who isn't Joyce or Hopper actually parented irrelevant. What do you think? Hmm. I don't I, know. I haven't I mean, thought of it. Their advice was to finish it, right? I mean, Nancy emphatically finished it. Yeah, uh, sure. That's fair. She got to the bottom of it. She uh, believed in herself. She dealt with the problem. Her instincts were right. She did not get to write the story about it, though. That's yeah, true. Yeah, but like this isn't about stranger careers. It's it's stranger things. So like Nancy being right and and honestly being one of the bigger badasses. Like she's the shotgun wielding, uh, you know, uh, uh, munitions expert of the group at this point. So I thought it paid off in that way. Not mm-hmm. as career advice, but like believe in yourself and stand up for yourself and 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 follow something through. Uh, she she did definitely took that advice. Johnny H from Worthington uh, in the UK. Joyce has had a real rough time with family and romance. Mm-hmm. Do you think she will be given the happy ending that she deserves? If so, how interested to hear your thoughts? I mean, the pretty obvious one is Hopper comes back, mm-hmm. fall in love, live happily ever after. The end. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't ahead. know. Sorry. I, I mean, there are probably a myriad of ways they could give Joyce a happy ending that I'd be satisfied with. I think I think that's actually what's going to happen, though, because this show's just got too much Spielberg in his DNA. And Spielberg, when he's in this lane, doesn't usually go for bittersweet or sad endings. Yeah. Like, sometimes he'll get in that lane when he's doing a Schindler's List or whatnot. But, you know, this is 80s Spielberg, and E.T.'s not going to die. His parents are going to come home and pick him up. But And this is exactly why I think none of the kids will die at the end of this thing. Yeah. I, I don't think you're going to see a single kid permanently harmed uh, by anything that goes on in this show, including Elle. Yeah. That's... Uh, I think all of them are going to survive no scratches. Hmm. You just hoisted me by my own logic because I 
have long thought that L might be the one that dies because you know she she learns enough about humanity and self sacrifice to self sacrifice herself for the people she loves, but that's not very Spielbergian. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't feel very like eighties kids kind of. I don't know. It just doesn't feel like that. The, the heroic sacrifice can come from an adult, I think, but not mm-hmm. one of the kids in this story. Mm-hmm. Like, I think Hopper is a perfect example. Like, if he's totally dead, I will view that as a heroic sacrifice that was totally within the the spectrum of these '80s movies. Sure. Uh, you know, <laughs> Will being killed at the end of this thing is not really on my radar. Uh, Amber. While I agree with Jim that Eric and Dustin's little nerd talk was a bit too cute considering the urgency of the situation, though it didn't bother me as much as it seemed to bother him, <laughs> I'm surprised that you didn't point out how they brought that moment back in episode 8 and used it as a reason uh, to how they could navigate Murray to the correct location. If you think about it, it's slightly unrealistic to think that these children, though they are both obviously smart, would remember a layout of this never-ending vent system. But the Duffer brothers made it a point for them to explain that it was at this point that they were having their nerd discussion, which gave them the recollection of which way they turned. Lesser shows would have just had that cute moment and that would have been it, but they actually were able to bring it back in a somewhat reasonable way that enhanced the plot development. Uh, maybe you guys missed it, but I thought it might have turned your views around a little bit. No, I mean, that's good of them. I, I still think that scene was uh, tedious given the the urgency of the situation. But yeah, I mean that's that's great that they, you know, bring those little moments back. Uh also had someone else write in that the defend the scene on the basis of there's not a lot of girl nerd representation. Mm-hmm. And there's certainly, as this the series pointed out, lots of nerdy girl shit uh to be had in the eighties. So like it doesn't it doesn't address your tediousness, but it's more of like, well, you gotta get it in some way and they make it playoff plot wise. I, I think and- here here's the thing, I cause this is one of the episodes I rewatched. Um mm-hmm last night and i think that scene would have been twice as good if dustin hadn't ever stopped working on the box that Mm. he's sitting in front of if he had had this conversation while opening this thing that they so urgently needed to get open because in that scene he's just stopping he's putting his hands down at his side turning to erica and having a fucking conversation Mm -hmm. about what a nerd she is he's literally two seconds from completing the task yeah yeah Yeah. and if they had made okay well he's two minutes from completing this task he's working on it while he's carrying on this sort of annoying conversation to him Mm -hmm. you know it's like I think they could have they could have directed that scene better. It might, yeah, that's actually a good point because the whole point of that is for him to get not the upper hand over Erica, but kind of like, okay, look, you know, d- y- she need a little bit of air let out from her because <laughs> sure. she's a little little bit too much of a sass machine. Uh-huh. Um, and for him to like be doing that as he's actually you know saving the day, and like if if he punctuated his point about you know ergo nerd with like sparks flying and yeah. the the fan stopping he would have like it would have done the objectives of that scene like even better so i think so yeah not 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 the biggest misstep but but i'm but... i'm all for like inserting the my little ponies and stuff in there i think that's really cool yeah uh nick k i think stranger things 4 will be the season of will the duffer brothers <laughs> seem to have a desire for narrative balance and boy that needs a chance to shine the mind flare has an almost unbreakable psychic control over its host, but only if the hosts have appropriate hardware, i.e. being injected into or bitten. Maybe Will can find a way to exploit his apparent sensitivity to the mind flare and either discover a counter to the hardware or act as a jammer so that Eleven can focus on dealing with the big bad. They, hmm. they are kind of... I, I mean, it's very interesting the fact that they are being paired as brother and sister, 
and they both have the closest affinity to the upside down. Like Will's got the like extrasensory perception of when the mind flares around. L, of course, is L. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah, like if, if L needs to recruit a team of superpowered teenagers, it would be interesting if Will is, you know, I, the other thing is like maybe this would awaken some kind of power in Will, like some kind of latent psychic power. Hmm. Is is it which one's more likely to give you psychic powers being infested by an otherworldly demon mm-hmm. uh, or your mom experimenting with LSD? I was going to say <laughs> LSD in the womb or yeah. interdimensional demon inhabiting your body for a season. Hmm, hmm. Probably the demon thing. Yeah. No, it's 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 certainly a portal, and it'd also be a way to make this guy who's... I mean, that's kind of Elle's story. She's a victimized little girl who became powerful through that. Yeah. Uh, it would be a nice little lyrical echo of that to have Will kind of go through the same. Mm-hmm. Um, but either way, yeah, just, just Will needs just more to do. So Yeah, I mean, aside from, like, a scene that I thought was really good this season, he was kind of... I mean, the joke is he all he did this season was touch the back of his neck and say he's here mm-hmm. which is kind of true uh, in, i mean because because he did some amazing work in season two and he's being tortured mm-hmm. and screaming but yeah i i want i want to see more of him and uh, i'm sure we will that is going to complete our coverage of stranger things unless the duffer brothers do something truly crazy at comic con like announce that they're coming back for christmas 2020 or 2019 yeah for stranger things 4 which is like we've discussed is not completely beyond the realm of possibility. If that happens, I'm sure we'll be back uh, to talk about it um, because why not? The feed's already w- warmed up. It's uh, the, the microphones are, are going. Uh, it, it'd be real easy to do that. But otherwise, uh, we don't expect to see you on this feed until the next, until Stranger Things 4 actually starts to heat up, till we get some trailers, till we start time to start doing previews. Uh, we have enjoyed the heck out of watching Stranger Things 3 with you. Uh, as always, our feedback is Stranger Things at baldmove.com. Uh, if any last minute thoughts, probably be better uh, discussed on the forums because I don't monitor the email boxes in the off season. Mm-hmm. Right. Forums.baldmove.com. There's several threads to talk about Stranger Things. Even one thread about, like, if you're one of the ones, one of the few that kind of were a little disappointed, there's a thread where you can talk about your feelings about that on the forums as well. Um, Thanks for spending your fourth weekend with us and the last week or so. And uh, this is not it for Bald Move, of course. We're covering uh, Bald. The, there's Bald Move TV that's always got something every week. Uh, there's Bald Movies that usually has a movie every week. We're seeing Lion King this week. Um, and, you know, the fall's got a lot of big things coming down to Pike, the Watchmen, his dark material, the expanse coming back. Lots of cool things. Stick with us at baldmove.com. Uh, have a great, uh, hopefully short off season of Stranger Things. And until Stranger Things 4, I'm Aaron. I'm Jim. See ya.